Let's welcome everybody out today to episode 59 of Utah in the Weeds. My name's Chris Hollifield. And I'm Tim Pickett, a uh, medical cannabis expert here in Utah. And I'm excited because this conversation we had today, Chris, was, uh, was different than a lot of what, we, what we've done before. It was with Toby Larson. He's a medical cannabis patient as well as like an athlete and mental coach. I mean, this guy has worked with MMA fighters and all different kinds of people on using cannabis to improve your athletic performance. I thought it was a great conversation. Yeah, and we had a lot of uh, a lot of the conversation revolved also around older uh, adult users and supplementing cannabis to help mobility as you age, right? Like using cannabis as a supplement, using THC as a supplement. It's interesting. Anybody who's interested in cannabis in different ways to use it, this is a great conversation to listen through. Yeah, I know you were just sitting at the edge of your seat because I know you're all into the uh, Olympic weightlifting, Tim. And so you were just like, I got I to gotta absorb everything this guy has to say. I know. I think I was a little bit more engaged than um, than on average, I will say. I'm, I'm interested in this for sure. So what else is going on, Chris? Hey, next Wednesday, the 26th in Ogden at WB's Eatery. It's a weed social, man, for people for, for cannabis users and, and weed heads and potheads and everybody to just come and hang out, man, I guess. It's the 26th at 5.30 p.m. You can purchase tickets to it at wbseatery.com. Check these guys out. This is going to be a good uh, good way for the community to kind of get together and talk about what's happening in the cannabis scene. It's sponsored by Salt Bake City, uh, who are good friends of ours. Um, and we are going to be there, Chris. We're going to be there podcasting, recording. Um, so if you want to if you want to say a few words on the podcast, come up. Yeah, let us know. You can even reach out to Tim or myself uh, before Wednesday. Let us know. That way we can keep an eye out for you or, you know, an ear out for you or whatnot. But yeah, come on up. Do we have the website? Is it just WBseatery.com or something like that? Correct. WBseatery.com. And um, yeah, make sure you're subscribed in all the channels. You can read the podcast summaries. You can find us on utahmarijuana.org slash podcast. You can reach out to Chris or I. If you, you know somebody or you want to come on as a guest with the podcast, this is getting, um, we're getting into summer. The events are happening. I know I'm excited getting out and meeting with people, public, you know, the uh, people are getting out and about. The sun is shining. Anything going on with you guys? Utah Therapeutic, UtahMarijuana.org, anything uh, that we need to talk about? Watch for pharmacy openings in Southern Utah towards the end of the month. First of next month, we'll have more um, on our website, on our social We'll be bringing people on on the podcast. That's, I think, the biggest news in the uh, in the industry right now. Very cool. All right, well, let's get into that conversation with Toby Larson. This is a good one, you guys. Enjoy it. Let's start with even what got you introduced to cannabis. I mean, let's go back to the very beginning, the first time Toby used it. I mean, were you a little Toby or were you a big Toby? So the first time I used was my uh, last week of my senior year in high school. Knowing what I know now, I will say that I would have waited till I was 24. I believe in the I believe the brain science does speak to the fact that we should probably wait until we're about 24 to start using. Make sure the frontal lobe has finished growing. Anytime you use, um, I believe the term is androgynous uh, yep. chemicals to uh, affect you, you kind of want to avoid that during times that you're growing. Just in general, right? In yeah. general, 
we go back to this sometimes. It's, you know, we all want to, we should just be eating salads, fruits and vegetables, exercising until we're, well, that's forever. You don't want to introduce anything uh, foreign. And with cannabis, I would, yeah, it's the same. Yeah, it's a strong, it's, it's a strong drug. It's worth waiting till, uh, till we're on the decline. But that said, so I was 18. It was my uh, senior year in high school, finishing up, um, had been pretty much the most uh, straight and narrow guy up until then and just decided, hey, I need to live life before I go off to college. So uh, first purchase is a quarter and uh, me and oh, my wow, buddy. you went big. Yeah. And uh, pretty much consumed about half of it that night. What? <laughs> so, Your first time? Yeah, that and much? Was, the, the best story I have from that was... Um, and it was two of us. So I might've not, he was a pretty heavy user. So I might've had like a bowl and he might've had the rest, <laughs> the rest of the eighth. So I don't know how fairly divided it was, but, uh, we ended up going to, um, Taco Bell and long story short, I tell this, uh, Stephen Wright comedy skit apparently to five people at the Taco Bell. <laughs> they give us a free 10 pack of tacos and tell us to get out. And that was kind <laughs> get of, out of here. Last I remember was that, yeah, that was, that was the first time. And then it was kind of a while since then. Was uh, that here in Utah? Or no, what, what? that was actually in Colorado. Oh, okay. Uh, I grew up in Estes Park. And so that was, uh, yeah, mountain weed <laughs> grown in Estes, uh, Probably, uh, I, I bought it from a biker up there. It was kind of funny. It was the full on, uh, a whole lot different than it is now. But anyway, so then go off to college, go to Kansas, you know, have no hookups or anything there. I kind of really didn't use it at all until I, uh, we moved out to California. And then when I, when I arrived in California, they were just beginning the process, process of, uh, legalization, uh, starting to talk about that for medicinal purposes it was, it would show up at parties here and there, but it wasn't really that prevalent. And, uh, it's kind of interesting thinking now about how back then it was so hard to find and yeah. you'd, you'd have your, you'd have a supplier or a hookup. And then if you lost that person, it it's might the worst, be months yeah. before you find somebody else. So weird because that's, you know, like in, in high schools and colleges, I would imagine it's like, that's easy. It was easy then. When to find the hookup, I think depending on all, who you are, though. I mean, I've never have found hookups easy. Don't you think? Like everybody knows, everybody knows that guy, right? Like I know of the guy. When you're out of you college, know? though, and you're you're exactly. living in a different city, and you're a, you're an adult, you're you're like working. Now it's hard because you don't. It's not like you're going to ask around at work, right? <laughs> probably easier to find. Honestly, back then it was probably easier to find cocaine than it was marijuana at work. Granted, I was working in commercial real estate, so the, maybe that's <laughs> why. The 90s, right? Yes. Yeah, the 90s. The 90s. That's, that's crazy. So what was your thoughts like when you heard medical marijuana? Because, I mean, obviously, the first time you used it, you probably weren't familiar with it, using it as a, as a medicinal thing, right? I mean, Correct. So, so what, what was your thoughts the first time you heard yeah, the so, term? So actually, one of, the, one of the suppliers I had when I was working in tech in San Francisco, uh, he had terminal cancer. And he was able to grow 10 plants of his own because of his cancer, he was unable to work. And so he subsidized himself through the plants that he was legally able to grow. And it was a friend of a friend and it was kind of um, part, I guess, early day um, GoFundMe for his treatment yeah. and uh, part, hey, here's a thank you gift for uh, you helping us out. And so that was kind of how that was that when 
he passed, then it was probably another four years before recreational marijuana started. And um, I, during that time, I just, if uh, somebody offered it to me, I would, I would enjoy with them. But if it wasn't around, it wasn't around. But once it, and, and I had reservations at that time of getting a medical license. I kind of still felt the stigma and the concern about what's going to happen if people know that I have a legal marijuana license. What's, what other rights are they going to potentially strip away from me? Uh, I think back in one of the things in California that's kind of interesting. If you had a medical license, you could not own a gun. I don't know if Utah ever discussed that as part of the rule, but it was that type of thing that made you wonder, okay, will I not be able to have a driver's license down the road? Well, I, what else are they going to say is limiting? And so it kind of, for me, it was just that, well, let's, let's see what happens for a little while. But then once it became recreational avail- recreationally available, then it, of course, then it's, like pay whatever who cares. Yeah, the 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 variety and quality of products made it the type of thing that was worth checking out. So I originally used it recreationally for recreational purposes, and as time went on, I started realizing benefits when I used it in various performance settings. What kind of benefits were you seeing? So one of the biggest things I find is my ability to turn off the part of my brain that wants me to stop, uh, that kind of inner wimp that's telling you, your lungs are burning, your legs are burning, slow down. You don't need to push through. It allows you to hyper-focus so that you can really stay focused on the goal, on the technique, on whatever it is you're working towards and be less concerned about satisfying whatever current state you're feeling. So yeah, it's a, a good way to put it. Less concerned about satisfying the current negativity negativity that you're feeling like right now. But at the same time, hyper-focusing really on the present because it, it turns off memory, short-term memory, changes your perception of time. So what sports and, were you noticing this with? Yeah. So for me, it was I do action sport personally. But I also work with quite a few mixed martial artists, uh, pro MMA fighters. And for them, it's necessary for a few reasons. One is the training for that sport is absolutely brutal. You are getting kicked and punched daily. And that is what you do for a living, thrown around, uh, your joints manipulated. It's, it's rough. And they are in pain every day, every night. The use of marijuana by them is certainly needed just in order to get the sleep so you can recover. What got you into that? What got you into UFC fighting? Like- yeah, it was kind of interesting. I actually was a high school teacher for a while. And when I reached the end of my interest in high school, in teaching high school, I went back and became a kinesiologist. Uh, I got a master's degree in kinesiology and I'm finishing my doctorate in performance psychology right now. Just writing my dissertation at the moment. So almost done. I had coached in high school and I absolutely love coaching far more than teaching math and wanted to find a way to make that more of what I do on a regular basis. One of my athletes and students, I coached track and football. One of them became a uh, pro MMA fighter and that basically opened the door to a whole bunch of other MMA fighters. I think in the field of sports psychology and coaching, it's more connection uh, for how you get in. 
So everybody kind of has that story of here's who I knew and that's how I got in the door. Yep. Here's what I did. Here's what I knew. And here's because it's not like you can go out and, you know, you're, you're applying for a sports psych job and there's, there's going to be a lot of opportunity unless you know somebody in, is that, that's the, that's the thing. That's the most important thing. You have to know, you have to know somebody, you have to be, if a pro athlete is going to work with you, you have to be bonafide by somebody. It's really hard to convince somebody whose life is their performance that they should bring you on if they don't know who you are. Is that the same with all kind of coaching you think, or is it just I do. like psychology coaching? Cause no, I feel I think like it's... personal coaching, soccer coaching. I deal with this with my family, right? You're, you're looking for somebody who you can, you can get a referral to. If you look online, it's just hard to get that. Correct. And the f- higher up you are, the more, the more your livelihood depends on, on how you do. And as that becomes more critical, the who are, who around you is also critical. And so knowing that the people that, that an athlete's working with are actually good at what they do and can uh, do what they say. Also knowing that they're not going to somehow try to take away from the athlete as well. Interesting. So how does cannabis fit? So have you kind of become this, the, the cannabis friendly coach or the cannabis friendly? <laughs> I'm not. So yeah. So I, I don't, I mean, or I wouldn't say I'm not, I guess how to phrase this. I don't use cannabis in that part of my practice. Um, I use cannabis solely in my understanding of skill acquisition and working with friends of mine. They're also going in that route. Um, so the pro athlete route, there's, there's quite a few people that they'll have around them. And I really focus on my specific role, which is the cognitive elements of performance and training. I will talk to them about stuff I do cannabis wise, but I don't necessarily specifically instruct them on, on how to apply cannabis for their individual sport. Instead, that's more on the adult side work that I do with, uh, more groups of adults. I guess I would say as a grad student, I'm kind of, uh, trying to maximize my knowledge with. So, uh, I don't necessarily charge them, but they're willing to, uh, take my advanced coaching and, and follow me down the hill and try stuff out. So, um, that's really where it's come in more and play there. And really more of the idea of how do we actually, how do we get into that prime space so we can just go have fun and really as adult athletes, allow ourselves to push ourselves a little bit further as a medical use anti-aging should be considered as a real strong possibility for a marijuana indication. Uh, a few reasons for that. One is there actually are quite, there's very little data out there on how marijuana affects anything performance related. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just, Which, except for you can't do it, right? Like exactly just the rule. What's really interesting. Even when we look at intoxicated driving, we can't, there is no evidence that marijuana has any effect on driving. Marijuana plus alcohol has a massive effect on driving. There actually is a little, I'll, I'll point you to a Canadian study. There's a little study that they did um, with cannabis use, and they would call anybody who used over three days a week a chronic user. Then they, they gave them doses. They waited 10 hours, put them in a simulator. So you don't make big mistakes. But you do cross the center line and miss your turn more. So there's a little bit of uh, there's a little bit of effect that they can show 
they, they correlate. They correlate. They actually have pretty poor methodology in their study. And if you look at the meta-analyses on these, you'll see that of all the studies, about 90% show no results, show no significant difference between a marijuana user and a non-marijuana user on a variety of performance tasks. It's fascinating. The way we communicate science, the way that science is published is a big problem. I would agree with that. And marijuana has always been looked at from a disease model and rarely looked at from any other aspect. But you're trying to get the conversation started as an enhancement model. Correct. Essentially, like, how can we use this to benefit? How can we manipulate this plant to benefit society, not just to treat illness? Because in medicine, we've always, we, we've said for generations, we, we have this wrong model, right? We wait till people get sick and then we treat them. But you're trying to take the other approach. Why, why not look at this as a performance enhancing uh, substance which a lot of people use it for. Like a pre-workout or something. Right? Well, like a pre-workout. <laughs> or like, well, think about the coders yeah. who use it to, to enhance their coding work or their focus or the artists, <laughs> yeah. the creativity. We, we're already talking about it in that sense, but we're not talking about it from a physical or a, a true, what would you call that? A performance sense. Yeah, from a performance or, or just in general, how do we start using it as a nutrient? Because maybe the reason CBD is so popular, maybe the reason that so many states are adopting legal medical marijuana, maybe the reason so much of the society is starting to regularly consume marijuana, I think we should change the language from use to consume. Maybe there's a lot of nu nutrients that we get out of the cannabinoids. Or and maybe there's endocannabinoid just, deficiency syndrome, which and, the Society of Cannabis Clinicians wants to put on the the uh, diagnosis list. And I would I would say that live modern life with cannabis versus live modern life without. If without doesn't work for you, maybe with probably does. And I think there's a lot of modern life that if you think about cannabis, how does it counteract those effects? So if we think about the way that social media creates this kind of rage and compounding negativity that just seems to build and build and build, that starts to get you really upset and worked out. Now you, maybe you go hit a dab. What happens then? You're chill. <laughs> You're coming back down, right? All that rage is gone. Now, if we do that broader scale, what happens societally? Maybe we talk as opposed to yell. And if we can talk, maybe we can hear. So I think it's on a general level, I think there's great things to do with it. But on a, on a specific performance level, I think its biggest asset is with adult athletes, especially in the anti-aging route. What I've found when I started doing a lot of the research, one thing I found that really is commonly found, if uh, the rate of metabolic syndrome is significantly less with a massive effect size for what they call chronic, which I would call regular marijuana users. Yeah. And we would call chronic users like three days a week or something. I mean, not really heroic pot smokers. <laughs> Correct. Chronic right? sounds so bad. Though. I know it that does sound so bad. But at least to me, yeah. Right. I use the term heroic. It's the, the surgeon I used to work with. Um, he would use the term heroic smoker. 
And that would mean like, yeah, smoked cigarettes like crazy for years and years and years. That's what I would call, you know, the guy who smokes three or four joints a day, right? That's a heroic user. So I've moved terms, but this three day a week performance enhancing. Yeah. And I've read the, the, uh, you know, average BMI, uh, basal metabolic index of marijuana users is lower than the, than the population in general, meaning it doesn't make you fat. Right. In fact, it actually helps you lose weight. So since I moved to Utah, not only did I get my medical marijuana license, but also I've gone from 220 to now I'm currently I'm at about 168. That's because I sprained Just my from marijuana so, use? Well, from being active. Okay. Okay. I, yes, from marijuana use, because that allows me to get up the next day and go as hard as I did the day before. So talk about that a little bit though, when your physical performance, this is something I'm really into. And, um, I haven't talked a lot about it on the podcast, but I'm, I'm into physical training and performance, especially adult athlete type stuff. I think it's super healthy for people. Very, very motivating. Lots of things happen in the brain and the metabolism to make people better when they're exercising. And one of the things that is for sure anti-aging, right? We want our lives to be a square. We want to go right up till the end and then just die. But in order to do that, you have to be mobile, right? You, you have to stay mobile. How does cannabis fit into that piece then? Multiple ways and in fascinating ways I've found. So obviously just the basic effect of pain relief at night is massive. Being able to get to sleep and stay asleep is huge for anybody doing anything performance related. That I think is kind of generally accepted and thought of as a common, a common effect that we're going to see. But then if we start thinking about some of the psychotropic effects, so marijuana decreases anxiety. Yes. That's that's super excellent from a performance standpoint, not only from a, I'm actually competing today, uh, maybe in a golf tournament and I don't want to shank my putt probably will help you there. Most of the PGA tour players are on beta blockers. That's why they put better than you or I do. They never feel their palms sweaty during a tournament. Beta blockers help you do that. Cannabis has a similar effect, maybe not as strong as beta blockers and maybe better in a long-term situation than beta blockers, right. especially for a performance purpose. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't know that about golfers, but it makes sense that you would want to manipulate. I mean, this is how you make your living. So you're going to do everything you can to manipulate your physiology to maximize your performance. I know looking at, okay, so switch gears to like long distance athletics, right? So I ran for a while and I'll be honest with you. I mean, cannabis, medical marijuana, whatever you want to call it, it is a super drug when it comes to long distance running really? or long distance biking. Well, you think about it. In fact, I've, I've, I've heard and never read that they're trying to eliminate it from these hundred mile races because you can focus your perception of time is diminished, right? So over, so here I got to go run five hours and it doesn't bother me because I don't know what time it is. And I get dry mouth. So I stay hydrated and hungry the whole time. And these are things that you need is like the golden egg for, so, for long distance performance enhancing. Wouldn't it wear off though? Like after the first hour though? 
Well, just take a little more. Yeah, that's true. Just take I, it, bring it along with you. I'd say the other thing, once you get your brain really going in that marching in that direction, it's easier to keep it going that way. The effects can wear off and I can be in the middle of a long distance mountain bike ride going up, just continuously pounding up hills. But I've already taught myself to have my brain in that mindset for the first hour, whatever it is, it's easier to stay there. It's getting to there. That's very difficult for a lot of people. If we think about obesity and sedentary lifestyle epidemics going on in the U.S. right now, the hardest aspect in exercise psychology is getting somebody to actually take that first step out the door, not getting them to run once they're out the door. It's just getting the shoes on and exiting the house. That's the biggest barrier to exercise for most people. I would for sure, because then you take a week off. And it's not the workout that's hard. It's getting your ass to the gym that's hard. We used to do it in the in the swimming pool and you would just you would just say to yourself, you know what, I'm just gonna go down there and swim two hundred because two hundred yards or two hundred meters, because I know if I get in the pool and I swim the two hundred and I've just told myself I'm gonna swim and I'm gonna get out and I'm gonna go to the locker room and go, eh, I'll stay and swim the workout. But you've just got to get started. I mean, is there any real studies that you could point to or is there books you can go to? So there's preliminary studies. One of the issues in the U.S. is that research on – so research on marijuana medicinally has been very limited, very regulated. That's an, 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 just a massive amount of research that's been done in comparison to any other aspect of marijuana. So you already know how limited it is as a, as a clinician to understand, to even begin to look at how different terpenes might benefit different types of medical conditions. We can't run control t- trials. We can't do a lot of these powerful studies that would give us true knowledge because of the legality around it. And beyond, it's not like you're taking a bunch of, you know, chronic pain patients and running, um, you know, and, and doing a study like that. It's putting a bunch of guys on treadmills, men and women on treadmills and, and letting them use a little cannabis. That's an entirely different study to do that would be even more restricted. Correct. Right? So, our, so our best indication, in all honesty, is looking at some of the research that's come out of the University of Tel Aviv and some of the work that's gone on in Israel where they've actually had legal research going on for quite some time. Uh, one of the athletes I work with is an Israeli national is from Tel Aviv. And you can talk to a pharmacist there and be very specific about what's going on and what you're looking for. And they can give you a strain that is almost a perfect match for you. We're a far, we're, quite a ways away from that right now out here, I would argue. Here in Utah. We're, yeah. We're Even long, in the U.S. Yeah, we're a long ways from that in the U.S. for sure. And but they're, they have the, their testing ability and their database of in Israel is really some of the best in the world, right? If not the best in the world. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. That it is used both in performance settings out there um, or in performance settings for both uh, athletics and non-athletic performance needs in Israel quite extensively. And um, it's incredibly beneficial. 
Uh, and they've found that. I understand now is a difficult time to be talking about that nation, but we're talking about marijuana here. Yeah. Not about that. So that's why I bring it up because that is a, an example of how if we're able to give our scientists a chance to really study this, we're going to learn a lot more. We're actually going to be able to learn how to maximize the benefits and decrease the drawbacks as well. Vaping versus smoking, as one example. We already see that vaping's a much better form of consumption for the lungs mm -hmm. than combustion, than combustion in general. Combustion. Because combustion of any plant is harmful, or the combusted material of any plant is harmful to humans, or the smoke from it. That's doesn't matter if it's a forest fire that we're all going to probably be breathing here in a couple months, unfortunately, <laughs> or uh, or tobacco, nicotine, or or tobacco, or or marijuana. Any type of smoke is bad to breathe to to inhale regularly. Whereas finding the isolates that we can consume in ways that are less damaging, if we can get the research on that, I think then the performance enhancement effects really start to come up even higher in the anti-aging. So to circle back to the um, getting out the door. So the, so the anti-anxiety helps you not be worried about how hard this workout's going to be, about how you're going to feel the next day. You probably, if you're starting from scratch and trying to become active, you need a coach to help you along with that because you need social support. There's a lot more than just one drug that's going to help you through it. You need, you know, a community to help you kind of change the cycle on that. But if you're an adult athlete trying to fight off aging as hard as you can, this plant will absolutely benefit you to meet that purpose. If we really want to increase the health of everybody, I think I'm the age group. We should be looking at more than any other age group in general, because this is kind of when metabolic disease really starts to become switch from being managed by lifestyle and managed by healthcare. Absolutely something we need to avoid. If we want to solve a lot of issues that we have in society, we need to not have preventable disease so prevalent. Um, and when you say your age group for listeners, you're in your later forties, right? About, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 47. So, so. Yeah. Well, you know, you, how, how do you talk guy. about your age, right? right. Without, without, yeah, but, without, but, but without people listening more like, yeah. well, this guy's 21, okay. right? Like, <laughs> no, exactly. 47. It's, you coming. know, we're getting up there, Tim. We're going to be, know, we're, we're going to be in the late forties here soon. But so, so I, I guess kind of, to go back to really where I've seen it super beneficial with me and my, me and my friends, um, in skill acquisition, one of the things that we, that was a goal of mine this season, this ski season was to be able to hit 15 foot cliffs reliably. And, um, you know, it's, I know for a lot of people out in the Wasatch, that's kind of no big deal. I hadn't before. So for me, it was kind of a big thing. I, is that, I is, that what the foot, is that what the foot brace <laughs> is that what happened to your foot? <laughs> no, my, uh, so I sprained, I sprained the ankle on my bike uh. and, uh, but I sprained my ankle. I didn't break it. I didn't give myself a concussion. I didn't pop my shoulder. It out. happens. So it happens. I, I guess I can say I, uh, I pushed it in just about the right amount. Cause I think you do need to get hurt every now and then if you're, uh, really trying to be an athlete, it just, it makes you feel alive, right? It's, it's uh, you're still there, and right? It, and it shows you that you're pushing yeah. right up to the line, right? Which a lot of training isn't up to the line, right? We do a lot of, you know, we do a lot of exercise that's eh, not that beneficial if you want to get better at we, what you do. We hold ourselves back a bit. Yeah. Uh -huh. And that's, um, 
And so I have a whole philosophy on, on fitness in general. I think a lot of people get too caught up in trying to set fitness goals based upon numbers or aesthetics. Fitness goals based upon abilities, fitness goals based upon capabilities, those have intrinsic reward and those allow you to stick with it, but it's hard to stick with stuff. So you need, you need the androgynous aids to help you out, to help make it through. Because once again, if you're an adult, you know, you have a lot of other responsibilities. Your entire life cannot be just about your performance unless you're a professional athlete. And then Unfortunately, your entire life is about your fitness. Right. Then so you're on the, then you have the other problem. Exactly. Which you, is you don't have a life outside of your, your fitness. You don't get to take time off from your fitness. And if you do, it has a massive impact on your career potentially. So exactly. Um, in fact, when guys do that for too long, when they come back, that's generally when they're getting injured. Most so you pros. don't, you don't see this as something that teenagers, early twenties, could benefit from, or do you, you really just avoid that because the frontal lobe discussion we had before, which is really, it's just probably not safe to be using, you know, exogenous, um, cannabinoid therapy, you know, a bunch of THC smoking a bunch of weed when you're 18, 19 years old, what, regardless of why you're doing it. Yeah. And I do, I would just say, I don't want to present myself as somebody who could speak to that age group. And I feel like there's, there's a lot there that I don't know. So I, yeah, I, 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 I feel it's safer to stay away from it. Absolutely. At that point. But I also would say, I don't know. Yeah. So I, I should not be one to make the determination on that either. And I'm hopefully there's more people that as time goes on are willing to admit where their ignorance uh, lies. Because yeah, I know, I mean, you've had patients that are younger, right? Yeah, I mean, we've sure, we, we certainly have patients that are in that age group, you know, 18 to 21 and then 21 to 25. And we do say the same things that you're, you're talking about. Look, anything that's not natural, that, that's not fruits and vegetables and exercise and, and good sleep is, you know, not ideal. But we also live in the modern world, you know, where... Now we're talking about, okay, am I going to put you on a benzodiazepine or am I going to let you use a little cannabis? And now we're starting to have this discussion of either or, which is worse. That's the studies we need. And those are the studies we don't really have is, are those specific studies where one thing is better than the other from a long-term negative side effect standpoint. You know, is your nerve pain so bad that you're going to you need something strong that, yeah, it has negative side effects, but that's that's the way it is. It's less than the or the seizure. Same thing. And, and and I would say for, I mean, for me, I would I would like it, I would defer completely to you on non-adult use. I guess when I started doing my research, I didn't even look at that age group even to know anything about it. So I feel like, yeah, I guess for me. It seems like it's an extreme black box, how it works for, say, the 18 to 24 year old range in a performance setting. I also would imagine that if you're the 18 to 24 year old range, who's really being very serious and dedicated about performance, there's probably ambition there. In which case, now you need to make sure that you're following the rules and the ways that's not going to get you banned from your sport and not going to take two years off of your career during your prime. 
So do you are do you think that there are sports or skill acquisition things that marijuana is not good for? I would say in a if you consider the short-term memory potential loss for for marijuana use probably any type of choreographed um sport would be problematic. So absolutely your uh you know your your yeah, dancers, um, your dancers, figure your figure skaters, your uh, yeah, the uh, the the synchronized divers, probably very tough uh, for them. If you're trying to learn a specific combined sequence of movements, that's part of a choreography. Now, if you're trying to improve your abilities, then it's the complete opposite. If we want to improve our skills. We need to be less focused actually on our body mechanics and more focused on the outcome of our actions, of what we're trying to produce with our skis, with our bike, with our blade, um, whatever it is we're using in case of running, focus on getting the ground ahead of us to be the ground behind us, right? Getting the soles of the shoes to pull that ground past us, getting our, letting our feet propel our body forward. So in that case, what the marijuana use does then, it kind of lets you get out of your way and lets you become more in tune with the sensations you're getting as you're engaging your sport. That's what you need to be attuned to if you're trying to improve your performance. You need to feel the subtle differences as you just make minor adjustments subconsciously to the changing conditions. So when I'm skiing, when we're skiing, we can go down a mogul field sober and start getting really focused on where our knees are, where our hands are. Am I front seat enough? Am I leaning back too far? How steep is this mogul field? Versus we can roll up there a little bit, a little bit high and really just enjoy it and feel it and start to pick up the timing and start to develop the, the physical feel and be attuned to the different inputs we're receiving from our senses and start to understand how to manipulate whatever equipment we're using to generate the feel that we're looking for, as opposed to trying to do it right, as opposed to trying to do it a specific way. That allows your skills to increase, which makes the activity far more enjoyable. That then sustains you in that activity for much longer because now your endorphins are kicking in. You are just, you're tuned in and you're focused and you're, you're in that zone. Now you're allowing the dopamine response to come chemically in the body. You're enhancing it a little bit. I mean, I'm kind of going to, as a side note, don't try this at home kids, right? Like it's, this is, this is not medical advice, but, and this isn't really researched but it's this a fascinating discussion about a whole different side of cannabis use that we don't think about a lot. But once again, I think it comes back to medicinal use. If we think about all this stuff in the greater scheme of anti-aging and in the greater scheme of being healthier as an adult, like I said, I, I believe if you want the greatest combatant to aging is mobility. Mm -hmm. The more mobile you are, the more youthful people think you are because you're always more mobile 
or you, you should be more mobile at a younger age, just always because your biology is better. Kind of, I mean, you guys, you hit your peak somewhere in your mid twenties. If anybody is a considering a kinesiology program, once you take motor development over the lifespan, you will become the most depressed person because you realize from 25 on, it's just downhill. Yep. It is decay from <laughs> then on. It's just decay. And then it hits again at 40, I think, right? Well, then it accelerates as you go it down the hill. It changes gears yeah. as you get old. Yeah. Each decade, it kind of, uh, the fall off speeds, but it doesn't have to. True. You can fight the biology. You just have to do it with physical work and diet. And the, the few studies I've read uh, that have been good that have numbers on it. One has been on the metabolic syndrome and it shows that regular marijuana users have a much lower prevalence of any of the metabolic diseases such as diabetes, hypertension, obesity than the general public at almost a half to a third of what the general public rate is. So clearly this has benefits there. We don't have research to explain why that benefit exists. I think one of the explanations for that benefit is that there's people like me out there that are using it to allow them to live life like a, like a pro athlete in their late forties, because it gives you that recovery ability and it gives you the ability to focus on what you're doing and not be distracted by things going on outside of your performance or just general worries that then make you make hesitant errors that are generally the ones that are going to lead to injury. Hesitation in action sport is where more injuries occur than trying too hard, I would argue, for adults. And so this really provides, to me, it's, it's provided this this ability to tap into a youth I have within me, but requires a lot of heavy work to get out. Yeah, that makes sense. What, what are some of your, you mentioned you have your medical card here in Utah. What are some of your favorite ways to consume cannabis, uh, especially before like athletic uh, type things? I just got a Dr. Daver and that thing is brilliant. I absolutely love it. It's, uh, it's great. You can, it uses such a small amount uh, to create the vapor, it, the way it creates the vapor. I mean, the induction just absolutely seems to give me a predictable dose and give me a, a predictable feeling that then I can kind of know. So one of the studies that I've read, and I, I would say it's not super great data because they only had um, a couple hundred participants, but what they did find is that the individuals who smoked or who consumed cannabis an hour prior to working out or within two hours of working out did about 20% more effort in terms of cardiovascular output and would do about 30% more effort if it were uh, non-anaerobic uh, exercise. Wow, that's surprising. But if you think about your story with running. Oh, yeah. I mean, I you're would able imagine to not- the, the running. Uh, yeah, you're just able to run forever. And you don't care. The only thing I would say with, you know, for instance, trail running and cannabis is 
if you have your dog with you, just be careful because you kind of forget where your dog is and you got to go look for your dog. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You got to know when you can completely tune out from the world exactly. <laughs> and when you've got to take your dog along, you got, And you're like, dang it, that dog is like two canyons <laughs> over. <laughs> Headphones on, just. Right, you're just trucking. Um, Next thing you know, you're in uh, Davis County. <laughs> <laughs> right. How did I get here? Dang it. Gus, Gus, where are you? Yeah, I really like this conversation. And and I think that talking about cannabis as a as a supplement is interesting there's this whole other thing I've been thinking as we're talking and what cannabinoids, you know, I'm starting to get into the science of what cannabinoids I would, I would try to manipulate or consume in different ways to, to enhance this, you know, Delta nine THC is mostly what we're talking about today because it's that that's what separates you from the, the short term memory and the, and the time dilation. And so, if there's not enough studies on just cannabis in general, there's certainly not going to be any data on which cannabinoids to to use. But I could totally see putting a, you know, in the future, these things that are that will come off the shelf. I mean, there's a there's already a huge market for adult athletes in the supplement industry, and this does make a lot of sense. Uh, and CBD in athletics, I would say, is. Uh it almost looks like breakfast cereal. There's so many choices. I mean, it's, it's numerous with major, large manufacturers, small ones. It is, uh, clearly there's a market for it. And I, I found that the medical, uh, cannabis drive, uh, products just works so much better than the hemp drived CBD products. Maybe this will kind of help change some of that stigma, right? That lazy stoner, they just sit on the couch and eat potato chips, yeah, right? I Especially mean, I, an athletic thing, right? Yeah, like, right? Like 220 to 165. <laughs> I mean, and I don't look like I'm a bean pole either. I mean, I'm an athletic, tall man that yeah. people- I think we've talked about that, Tim, like kind of how that. most people that, that, that smoke weed, that use cannabis tend to be kind of thinner people. Yeah, they're right? thinner. They're on average, they're thinner people. No, I mean, there are products out there and certainly we use it for chemotherapy, nausea, and we use it to help people eat more, which it does. And if you use it well and under kind of instruction, then it can be used to gain weight, no doubt about it. But on the whole, people don't gain, they just don't gain weight. Most of the time people are, they think they're hungry, but they're actually just thirsty. And if you keep some ice water, little Tim's little tidbits right here, if you just keep some ice water next to you or close and you drink water first, you're not that hungry. I like that. I agree. Yeah. How, um, or go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. Well, I was just going to ask, uh, kind of change the direction a little bit. How has the Utah market treated you that, uh, you know, you got your card, you're hitting up some of these pharmacy dispensaries. How has it been for getting product for you? It's I'd say now it's it's incredibly better. Okay. Um I I think Utah's starting to turn the corner on production. I'd love to see live resin. I'd love to see bubble hash. I'd love to see all the things that you can get in Nevada, in California, in Colorado here. I think it's on the way. Uh the I believe it was three or four podcasts ago. Um you guys discussed it was discussed on your podcast and basically how the there's so much going into vape carts right now that there just isn't enough 
plant material to That's provide true. additional product. But I've noticed some are starting to provide instead of carts, they're providing syringes. So at least the oil, you don't need to have the screw yep. attachment thing. So it'll work in the, uh, and yeah, my, it works uh, as in dab your again now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It'll work in the dab rig. And yeah, I think that was Beverly when we were talking to heal you and talking about, yeah, there's just not enough plant material yet to, to so, make, cause it takes so much plant material to make live resin. Definitely. I think, and I, I think that's, you know, that seems to be going away because it seems like the production is getting better. My dad was a farmer back in the day. I understand you have, you have good years and bad years. And if uh, you aren't really, if it's kind of your first time raising a crop, it's just, it's going to take a little bit to learn it. Um, and you so you gotta be patient. You know, people don't realize that. And I think if we're just patient, Hey, next year is going to be bomb here in Utah is what I say, right? It really is going to be cool. And I mean, I can't wait. We're opening up events now and yeah. for the summer and yeah, 2022 is shaping up to be really fun. You know, all the growers will be up and going. I yeah, think all, all, the, all the, the dispensaries should be up and going. All the, all the, you know, more yeah. and more, more card users, more and more everything. I'm starting to see CBG now. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it. In fact, we, we bought some vape carts from Clean Leaf up in Logan and he's got a CBG, CBD vape cart that is strong and another one, CBN. There's so a vape card. Those to me, Heal I, you, Heal you in uh, has a has a vape card in Bountiful that's one to one THC and CBG, so it's half CBG. That's a strong vape card and totally medical product. You're not going to find that in Vegas at Wholesome. You know? That's at Wholesome. Yeah, that's at Wholesome. Explain to me how the CBG and and CBN them what what are they providing? Because I'd be curious to know that, so I could think of how I could use that from a performance setting. Yeah. So. I mean, and, and I've been thinking about this while we've been talking, I would say CBG is anti-inflammatory more so than CBD. So you you would find a little more uh, recovery potentially, especially as an older athlete with the CBG carts or CBG product. CBN is known to cause sleep and decreased anxiety. It's more relaxing. So it would be beneficial for, we use it a lot for anxiety, PTSD, and sleep. But it's the go-to for sleep. When you leave your weed out in the car and it gets old and, and hot, a lot of the THC becomes CBN. And so old weed causes you to go to sleep and it's because of the CBN. So if you can pinpoint products like that, then you could, I guess, manipulate that You know, for recovery. Maybe CBG and CBN would be great. And uh, the CBD is kind of that universal kind of works for everything, right? It fits into a lot of receptors pretty well. So um, mix that with a little THC at all at all the points. Then you have Delta-8, which is controversial somewhat. And in fact, we, we just recorded another video on Discover Marijuana about Delta-8 specifically that'll come out in about a month. That absorbs more peripherally, won't get you quite the head high. So could be good for recovery, could be really good for recovery, might not be the right thing for skill acquisition because you don't quite get the psychoactivity you might be looking for. Oh, so when we think about when we think about anxiety in a performance environment or in a skill acquisition environment, if you're doing reps to improve your skill, there is a 
performance element in that, even though your purpose is learning. But the anxiety will either come bottom up, which means that your nerves are basically being generated from the sensors in your skin and your in your muscles. And then that creates the brain response and the anxiety response. There's also top-down anxiety, which is generated from either your lack of confidence in your own skills or uh, confusion in your mind about what it is you're trying to do, various elements. But then that that then starts in the brain and then causes trembling down into the feet, down into the hands, causes uh, different coordination that way. And so it's kind of interesting. So I wonder if the CBG, if you were an athlete who tended to be just fine and then all of a sudden, whatever it is, the trail hits you the wrong way or something happens. And all of a sudden now that gets you off track and gets you thinking the wrong way, thinking in a distracted way where instead of your brain being really focused on the results of the actions that you're trying to create second by second, it's now created on how you're doing it. What are you doing? Is what I'm doing okay? If we shut that off, that person would be really benefited by that immensely. Yeah. And you have, you could use Delta eight essentially for that peripheral pain control and that um, that maybe the bottom up piece, if I'm hearing you correctly, the Delta nine, there's a fruit of life or a forbidden fruit cart, uh, Zion makes that's Delta eight. And I think keeping a journal in during these activities with different products is probably the only way to do it. Um, you know, see, here's how I'm feeling before. Here's how I'm feeling during, here's how I'm feeling after, with these different products, but Delta eight is a really interesting product too, because it's not quite a psychoactive, but it's a THC and it's absorbing peripherally. We use it a lot for nausea, GI issues, um, and peripheral pain control in patients who don't want to get high. Gorilla glue has actually been my best for pushing myself off cliffs with. Yeah. Very anti-anxiety, a little heavier, um, indica strain. I know. I I would have thought it would have been a sativa in all honesty. Uh, it but could be it the, like, the terpene profile and that that um, anti-anxiety portion of it could work really well. It's Yeah, it, it really is fantastic with that. And then uh, I found the ski train. It is, oh gosh, now I forgot. Oh, uh, s'mores. S'mores? S'mores, yeah. yeah. I just, um, for me, it's given the it gives a temporal distortion and I don't think it's, I think what's going on with the temporal distortion is that it creates this hyper-focus. So I'm really not hearing or recognizing too much in my periphery. And so for high-speed tree skiing, that's fantastic because you're really, you only want to be looking, you want to be planning, you know, kind of yeah, one or two turns turn from yeah, now. Turn. So that I can make sure that this turn and the next turn allows me to make that third turn. And that's just kind of all the way down the hill until you're too tired or you miss. And then right. you reset one way or the other and get going again. But uh, yeah, it's it it's been interesting. I found those two strains have been kind of ideal. Now, predictability of those two strains being available has been less than ideal, but better than it was 
two years ago, I would say. Yeah, I was going to say that s'mores though. I haven't seen that. I don't know. No, I haven't seen it either. Is that, that was a trike that looked yeah. like trike, trike yeah. label. So where, where did you pick that up at? I think that one came from across the street. Really? Beehive. Beehive. Might, but it might've been, uh, it might've been, uh, dragonfly. Okay. I'll have to keep an eye. Those are kind of the two yeah. I go to. And it's kind of, I just, I look online to see who actually has product in stock and you're doing it the right way. Look online yeah. before you go. Yeah. I always do. Uh, I put it on hold too, you know? Oh yeah. That's a good idea. And especially beehive will hold it for 48 hours. Yeah. And if, if you're concerned, if you're somebody who buys, uh, you know, if you buy a significant amount, you might want to look on EVS too, the, and make sure you've got enough purchasing ability to buy what you need. We've been running into a, a little bit of a issue with the upgraded, I would call it upgraded, but it's a, it's an enhanced security measure at the pharmacies where they're checking all the dosing before they sell you the product. You need to make sure that you're checking on how much you can purchase before you go. This has been awesome, Chris. Is there, yeah, is there anything you would you were wanting to talk about before we wrap this episode up, or anything? Might we kind of wind it down, or anything? No, this has been fantastic. Yeah. I would I would say I I think we all need to really push the state to let us grow five plants. <laughs> I agree that even if there's a a quarterly license, you got to pay to maintain it so that the state gets their cut. I just. I, f- I hope that that's down the road for us. Um, yeah. I f- having known, like I told you, I, you know, I had a, I had a uh, supplier who was a cancer, who was a terminal cancer patient, brain cancer. I can't imagine for somebody like that, not being able to grow their own and just cultivate in their own backyard. I think there is a, uh, a dignity of life that we're denying those people. And that breaks my heart that we would do that in this state of all states. So that'd be the only thing I would, I, wonder, I would want to add. I wonder how hard, cause I mean, that would be quite hard to track growing, wouldn't it? Cause I know that that's a big thing in Utah. They love to track it. That's love to sale. It. So it's yes. like, if you grew it at home, how would they track that? Maybe uh, we when they it. get the drones and no. they're surveying us, then they'll be able to track it. Yeah. Right. Maybe we just start it with the terminal cancer patients and maybe it only goes to them, hmm. but maybe we realize, Hey, we should, maybe there's a segment of our medical users. We should, we should admit that, yeah, their situation is vastly different than the rest of ours. And sure. we should give them a little oh, I agree. bit different. I there's just think- a, Oh, go ahead. Go There's ahead. a good program. You mentioned terminal cancer patients. I want to bring up that Utah Patient Coalition has a terminal cancer program, subsidy program. If you know somebody with terminal cancer, go to the Utah Patient Coalition website, apply for the subsidy program, especially if that patient can't afford their product, can't afford their doctor visits. Um, we're involved in that in Utah Therapeutic. If patients need uh, help with that, it's a good program. Very cool. Very cool. How can listeners get a hold of you, Toby? I mean, or can they? I mean, is there yeah. a way that people can like locate you or, or I, Instagram, Facebook? I don't know, whatever. Yeah, I think the best is probably. Uh, so I I don't really act, do too much on social media, but uh-huh. I have an Instagram account. It's at Fit Mind Training, and uh, if you're curious about seeing work I've done, you can uh, look at the tags. And a lot of athletes I work with tag me there. Um, I have some ski videos up there if you want to see how nice. terrible I am and mountain bike videos. Uh, I need to get more consistent in using my GoPro so I can uh, have a better crash reel. I think those are the, <laughs> my best racks. I don't have it on. I didn't have it on for this, unfortunately. And I think it would have been some really enjoyable footage. <laughs> Certainly a footage of me not crashing, I think is less uh, entertaining. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. And uh, if, 
I, you know, I'm working with primarily pro MMA athletes, but if you're an adult looking to, uh, improve your fitness, improve your health, uh, you know, through athletics, through skill acquisition, or you're just looking to have more fun at whatever sport you're doing for sure. Reach out. Um, you know, it'd be fun to chat with people that are in the same activities as me. Yeah. And, uh, go, absolutely stop me. If you see me on a trailer or a ski hill, go let them know you heard them on the podcast, right? That's what I always tell people, you know, but uh, anything else, anything else you want to mention on this episode, Tim, before we wrap this up? No, this has been a great conversation. Thanks for coming out. Yeah. You, thank, thank you. Thank you guys for what you do. I, uh, destigmatizing is such an important thing and I appreciate this, uh, the, the work that you guys do. Well, thank um, you. Podcasts aren't easy to do and yeah. consistency is probably the hardest thing. How, how did you find this podcast? I, I, I actually found you guys through, uh, I think it was through dragonflies blog okay okay yes nice. yeah, yeah yeah very cool I that is really great ask people how they found it so well oh, cool no, it was uh it was instagram i saw you, you guys were tagged on somebody's post yeah. somebody's post we're, we're tagged on a lot of posts we're tagged on it very cool yeah and go to utahmarijuana.org slash podcast that's where you can listen to all the podcasts subscribe in your favorite podcast app reach out to us if you need to yeah. utahmarijuana.org and uh stay safe out there